Okay, good afternoon, girls. And it's a pleasure to sort of see all of you at one time. Uh, it'd be great to see you in person, but seeing you on Zoom is the next best thing. But Baruch Hashem, over 100 people uh, in the room. Erev Rosh Hashanah, pretty uh, incredible time. It's not been an easy time for Klai Yisrael. It's... Uh, it's hard to imagine the fact that a year ago we were at this same moment in time, a day before Shoshana, and it really wasn't possible for us to imagine what was at stake. When we were praying to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when we went to Rosh Hashanah and went through the Nisana Tokef, went through all the prayers, heard the shofar, it, it's pre, you know, pretty much impossible for us to sort of think about the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, at that point decided that 2020, or I should say Tavshin Pei, I should say Tavshin Pei was going to be an unbelievably challenging year. And I guess the real takeaway is that somehow had we been able, and I don't mean anybody in particular, but Klai Yisrael collectively, had we been able to sort of raise that bar and intensify our tefillos throughout the Aser Shemei Tshuva, if somehow maybe the Hashem Ulakim at, at Ne'ila time, at the end of Yom Kippur, maybe had it been a little bit more powerful collectively on the part of Klai Yisrael, maybe we could have avoided this. Because after all, we do say, Tshuva, Utfilat Tzedakah, we say it during Rosh Hashanah, we say it during Yom Kippur, Utshuva, Utfilat Tzedakah, Ma'avina, Torah HaGzera. So we have incredible power. We need to recognize that really how we pray and the intensity of our prayers, the emotions of our prayers, the appreciation of what this day truly represents in terms of, of a new beginning. Because this is what Rosh Hashanah truly really acknowledges. What, what, what Rosh Hashanah really means is this idea that we're about to start a brand new year. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to us something very, very amazing. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to us, I'm not interested in your, in your past. I don't want to hear about your sins. I don't want to hear about your problems. I don't want to hear about your forgivenesses. I just want one thing from you. I want you to come to me. And this is when you think about it, an incredible gift. I want you to come to me and I want you to, to reconnect with me and just acknowledge the relationship for what it should be that we recognize HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs the world, we recognize that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is our entire world, that we accept the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will determine our fate, and that therefore we want to commit to Him in the fullest extent to do the right thing, and to commit to do the right thing. Don't talk to me about the past. Don't focus about, uh, about sin. I just want to know that in front of me is, a, is an individual a people and a person, both in terms of the collective klal and the individual that's standing in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that our, that our relationship with him is pure, it's real, and we recognize fully that we are completely reliant on HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The idea of Melech is a very important idea, because when we pronounce and we proclaim HaKadosh Baruch Hu King, we start saying tomorrow night the words HaMelech HaKadosh, the word Melech comes up again and again and again. It's not for God to know that we think he's king. He doesn't need to hear from us that, we're, that he's king. He's perfectly fine 
No, he's knowing, he knows that he's king besides our, uh, nothing to do with our recognition of him being king. We need to recognize that he is king. We need to internalize this concept that HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs the world. And when we can do that, when we can uh, truly feel it and truly believe it, and therefore commit to him f- fully, that's when we know, Baruch Hashem, that we're being successful. That's when we know that we are having a, a successful Yom Hadin. And while lip service is easy and words are easy, girls, I think it, it, it demands something a little bit deeper from us. Rosh Hashanah is a tremendous gift for Kosh Baruch Hu to say, all I want from you in order for you to walk away from Rosh Hashanah successful, all I need from you today, Rosh Hashanah, is to, is to acknowledge me is something that is not that easy. It seems easy and it's a tremendous gift, but it requires a little bit of a deeper thought. I, I want to share with you a Gemara, a Gemara that I try to say every single year because it's so, it's so profound and so important about our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu and exactly who we are. And it's a Gemara about the Eight Sahara. The Gemara talks about when does the evil inclination come into a person? Now, the evil inclination, the Eight Sahara is something that we associate with, you know, uh, Thoughts of, I want to do something, I want to speak Lashon Hara, I want to go someplace, or I want to talk to somebody, maybe it's not the right thing to do, but I want to go there anyway. That's sort of the way we think about the Sahara. But if that's the Sahara, then something about that Gemara doesn't make any sense, because the Gemara says, when does the Sahara enter into a person? There is an opinion that says that the Sahara starts when we are developing in our mother's womb. We are, we are a fetus in our mother's womb, and the Gemara says, there's the Yetzirah there. What does, that, what does that mean? How could there be Yetzirah in our mother's womb? We're, we're, we don't even have, we don't have a computer, there's no iPhone, there's no TikTok. What is exactly the Yetzirah in our mother's womb? All we're doing there is just gaining from the embryonic juices, and everything is fine. Okay, we're, just, we're a little fetus. We, we haven't even got into the world yet. So what does the Gemara mean? So the Bali Musa, one of the great Bali Musa, says an incredible shot. What it means is that when you look at a child and you see as it's developing, there's a certain point in time at that development that it gets very exciting. What happens? What happens, Bez Hashem, one day when you'll be zochet to, to carry a baby? What, what will you feel that you'll be very excited about? It'll be the child kicking. You're going to feel the child kicking, right? And you're going to right away call over your husband and say, oh, do you want to feel the child kicking? It's so exciting. I can feel the baby kicking. Now says this great rabbi, what is a baby doing when it's kicking? What is the significance of kicking? And he says that what the Gemara means is that a Kodesh Baruch Hu puts into a child, even before it's born, from the very beginning of its development in, within the embryonic sac as a fetus, the desire and the feeling of freedom. When a baby is kicking, what it's saying is, I want to be free. When a baby is kicking, it's saying, let me out of here. I don't want to be confined. I don't want to be limited. I want to be able to just spread my wings and let the whole world get to know who I am. I just want to, I want to fly. Let me fly. And 
he explains that really that attitude of independence, that attitude of I want to be who I want to be, that attitude of being my own person and, and not wanting to be limited any which way. No, I don't want to be stifled. I don't, I don't want to be boxed in. That continues to develop within that child. Right? When a baby is born, the very first thing the baby does, it cries. When it cries, what's it really saying? It's one of two messages. Either I want to be fed or I want to be changed. But that's really the message. It's all about me. And when the child gets a little bit older and you put some cottage cheese, uh, you try to put some cottage cheese on the high chair and the child doesn't like the cottage cheese, what happens? It gets thrown on the wall, maybe gets thrown into, into the mother or the father's face. And uh, basically, that child is constantly asserting what I want. When a child can talk, I want this and I want that. You got to buy me this. You got to get me that. And as we get a little bit older and then we, you know, we reach the teenage years, then the needs become a little more sophisticated. I got to get this new phone or I got to get that new car or I got to have this level of independence. And really we spend most of our early years developing a sense of, I want to be my own person. I don't like being told what to do. It's a natural part of who we are. And explains that's the Eitzahara. HaKadosh Baruch Hu put into us a desire for independence. And a, a certain ego-centric mentality that says, I'm in charge. And then HaKadosh Baruch Hu, at 12 years old, tells every girl, and at 13 years old, tells every boy, well, here's the deal. You're not in charge. Because I'm giving you a Torah. And I'm telling you that I want to give you a, a recipe for success in life that's not going to be that easy. Because it's going to demand that you recognize that you're not in charge. That you don't make your own rules. That you can't do whatever you want. That you have a higher authority. And the challenge of life, as we go through life, and this doesn't end the teenage years, because we get a little bit older, and we don't like sometimes having a boss. I know people who could have made hundreds of thousands of dollars more, but they just wanted to not have a boss. They wanted to be in charge of their own schedule and their own lives. And therefore, I can handle a a, a corporation with rules and regulations. I got to just be my own person. And sometimes it's, I guess, okay, if it depends what the circumstances are. What, uh, but for the, fundamental, uh, for the fundamentals of life, girls, there is somebody in charge. That's a fundamental aspect of what we have to accept upon ourselves and recognize that is not negotiable. That, that has to happen in our, in our acceptance of our Kodesh Baruch Hu. And our Kodesh Baruch Hu says, you see, it's, it's not that easy. Because I know your natural inclination is to say, I'm the boss, and I'll decide what I do, and I'll decide when I do it, and I'll decide uh, you know, the direction of my life, and obviously we have certain decisions that we are able to make, and obviously there are, there are obviously there's Bechira in the world, but on a basic level, for us to recognize that Kosh Baruch Hu runs our lives, Kosh Baruch Hu runs the world, he dictates the truth of how we're supposed to conduct ourselves, that's not so easy that actually flies in the face of a fundamental type of emotion that he put into us from the very beginning. So we come to Rosh Hashanah. There is almost a direct sort of confrontation between the part of us that says, I want to be in charge, and the part that says, (laughs) because Baruch is king of the world. 
Kings are in charge. They are the ones who call the shots. They make the rules. We are in God's domain. We're in his dominion. And we have to therefore accept what he's telling us because that is the absolute truth of the world. And when we are able to be subservient as an Eved in front of a king, right? What do we say? Say, Avinu Malkeinu. The focus is, uh, on Rosh Hashanah is really the Melech more than the Av, although he certainly is always our father. And he loves us unconditionally. But on Rosh Hashanah, the, the focus is Malchus. And if he's the Melech, then we're an Eved. An Eved doesn't tell his Melech what he's going to do, what he's not going to do. An Eved doesn't tell his Melech, you know, I'll, I'll, be, uh, I'll be on from, uh, from 8 to, to 2, and I'll take a couple hours off, and then I'll be back on, and this is, you know, what I'm going to take vacation, this is what... No. An Eved says to a Melech, you're in charge, give me my marching orders. This is what Rosh Hashanah is about. To get into that mindset where we're not looking about the mistakes we made. We have time on Yom Kippur to, to maybe cry about some of the things we might have, the mistakes we might have made this past year. But Rosh Hashanah is about accepting that relationship, accepting that the beauty of, of really the emancipation and the liberation that comes for a person who knows because Baruch runs the world. And when we, when we can become completely reliant on him and completely subjugated to him, it's actually liberating. Because I know that there's nothing else that I have to rely on but HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore, anything in my life, whatever is happening, for the good and for the challenging, he's the one I have to turn to. He's the one I have to pray to. And he's the one who's going to determine this, this coming year. So it's, it's something that we requires thought. Because, you know, as, as, as teenagers and as adults, we very often like to think we are in charge. And we sort of have our whole lives planned out. And we can obviously plan. There's nothing wrong with planning and, and working. But if we, if we sort of leave HaKadosh Baruch Hu behind and don't recognize that he's in the central, uh, the central component of what makes everything tick, then we're going to be making a big mistake. And Rosh Hashanah demands that of us. And Rosh Hashanah is such a, an incredible day that if we can do that, we know we can be successful. We can do that. That's why we, Rosh Hashanah is a day that we go home, we celebrate, we have a beautiful meal. We're positive because HaKash Baruch has given us a, relative, a relatively simple formula. This is what you have to do for success. And maybe one other point that, to keep in mind, girls, and that is, you know, we are in the COVID world and we still have to be sensitive to the challenges that we have. In fact, there were some questions that I know some of you might have had in terms of, you know, what do we do if we are if we're quarantined or maybe we don't have the freedom to, to get out, obviously if we can hear the chauffeur, we should try to hear the chauffeur. If somebody can come by and blow the chauffeur for us, if we can't get out. Um, but at the end of the day, that's what Allah demands. If we have to be home for, for the safety of others, then that's what uh, Allah demands and that's what we have to do. And certainly somebody, I, I, each individual can ask their own Shiloh about their own personal situation. But the idea that we should forget about safety uh, just to go to shul, that, that would not be uh, the right approach. And safety is something that we really have to consider very, very seriously at this particular time of the year. Because let's think about it, girls. If we are accepting God's rule, if we are truly Am Yisrael, this concept of being unified under this banner of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then that means we're one. That means we are unified and responsible for each other in, in every single way. And just like HaKadosh Baruch Hu expects a family to take care of each other, 
like the Mishilsa Sharma says that when, when a, a parent uh, has children and somebody takes care of those children, the parent is forever indebted. The parent is forever committed to that individual because you took care of my child. My child was in a tough situation. You stepped up. I will never forget that. I will always pay you back for the kindness that you did for my child. Well, Klai Yisrael is no different. We are all our Kaddish Baruch Hu's children. When we step up, when we go out of our way, when we're sensitive to our Kaddish Baruch Hu's children, all of his children, whether it be to protect them in this time of, 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 a, of a crisis with the virus and all types of challenges that we face, if we, if we reach out to one another, if we're protective of one another, if we're sensitive to one another, Kaddish says, wow, look, look at these amazing children. Look at my family. They really understand that, this, that we are one. And that is an incredible schuss for all of us. And we can somehow reu- sort of reconnect to that concept and really reunite in the most cohesive way possible around all the people that we care about, the, the families that we have, the friends that we have, and sometimes even strangers, sometimes people that we don't know the, the simple good morning or just a slight <coughs> movement and, and the positive action in their direction can make such a difference in a person's life. And that's also a tremendous sign of that sense of achtus, of knowing that we are one, knowing that we're Klai Yisrael. But Sabez Hashem girls, if we, we take this to heart, if we recognize that it's not about us and that Rosh Hashanah is about getting that ego out of the way, of moving it to the side, to be able to focus on, on the commitment that we have to HaKadosh Baruch and it's that humility that ultimately is the theme of being able to accept HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Melech. Because if, if we think we're in charge, we're not pro- proclaiming him king. We can, we can say it, we can pay lip service to it, but that's not happening. It's not really going on. So our job is to truly work on this, and to internalize it, and to solidify it. And Bez Hashem, if we can do that when we come to shul, if we are blessed to be able to come to shul, hopefully we'll all be healthy, be able to do it. But when we come to shul on Sunday morning, because Shabbos, we're not blowing the shofar. But on Sunday morning, when we hear that shofar, that shofar has the ability to, to inspire a person, to create that sense of, of awareness in a person. I'll just share one amazing story with you that I heard recently. I actually said it during the summer, but I don't think I shared it with the whole school. And it's a story that just recently happened at Cedar Sinai Hospital. And just it shows you Baruch Hu, how he runs the world and he's, in, he's involved in our lives every single day. And it's a story about a woman who, very nice, wonderful Jewish lady, but she started getting very, very upset at HaKadosh Baruch because her mother was sick and her mother was suffering. And every day she would visit her in Cedar Sinai. And this woman just, the, the mother just did, got worse and worse and the pain and the anguish. It was just horrible to see. And the woman just started getting very upset at HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Why are you doing this to my mother? Why are you causing her such pain? And she got so angry to a point where just this happened little just weeks ago. She said, that's it. I never ate non-kosher my entire life, but now I'm going to do it. And she decided to go to the cafeteria to order a, the most non-kosher sandwich she can order. And she's going to eat that sandwich because she was really, really upset and angry at HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And sure enough, and I heard this from a rabbi who literally happened to, as, I'll, as you'll hear, he, he said the story publicly. And the woman goes into the, let's, let's just call it a, whatever, a ham sandwich for, for argument's sake. And she buys a sandwich. She goes into the lobby. 
and she's just, you know, she's literally her hands are shaking because she never ate non-kosher in her entire life. And she's, but I have to do this. I'm so angry. I have to do this. And she's about to take the sandwich. She's about to put it in her mouth. And all of a sudden, it was like a Tuesday morning, in the middle of the week. All of a sudden, she hears the sound of a chauffeur coming from one of the rooms, a really a loud chauffeur with a tequila, a truer tequila, tequila, shvarm tequila. I'm like, it's the middle of the week. It's, it's, uh, it's the end of August, beginning of September. What is going on here? And like, what, what kind of chauffeur thing? And she just, she drops the sandwich. And she just like, could not believe her, her ears. She couldn't believe what was going on. She just walks into the Caesar side. And sure enough, as she walks into the room, she sees a couple of rabbis. They're wearing the kittles. And they were performing and, and acting out a Rosh Hashanah davening, if people wanted to and see the sign, they have a lot of types of Jews, a lot of different types of Jews, and some of them, some of them want to access the services, the Rosh Hashanah services, without being able to go to shul, because they were sick. They made an online service for them, that they can access the service. But this woman, went just when she was about to eat her sandwich, here's a chauffeur, she sees the people in the kitta with the talus over their heads, saying the different prayers. She says, God, I got you. You've never left me. Never left my mother. You were here every step of the way. I just didn't and couldn't see you. Because yes, there was pain, but I let it get, get the best of me. But clearly you never left me. Clearly when I was about to eat that sandwich, you blew that chauffeur for me to get real and to wake up and to actually realize that you're always here. That's the power of the chauffeur. And that's the power when a person is ready to hear and even when we're not so sometimes ready to hear. But certainly if we're ready to hear, the shofar can really transform us to another level. Let's take the opportunity that this Rosh Hashanah affords us, the opportunity for connection, the opportunity of acceptance of a Kodesh Baruch Hu, the opportunity for a, for, for, to be zochah to a good year, a year that will be very different than this past year. Bez Hashem, that year, it will be a year of Yeshuas and Chamos and Refuos and only Simchas and only Brachas, only Nachas for Gans Klai Yisrael. That's within our hands. Let's eradicate that negative decree. Let's, let's all band together to form that one unified force called Klai Yisrael that cares for each other. And that's all be zocha to a good gebenchiar, year of simcha, nachas, and the shnaz gul of Yeshua. Have a beautiful chag. Okay, thank you so much, Rabbi Stolberger. Girls, I believe at this point you are officially dismissed. Have a Ksiva Bhsimatova. Have a beautiful Yantif. Bye bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. See you all Thank on you. Tuesday, Yemir Sashem.